All right, the divisions have been decided. Champions are about to be crowned and legends born like Taylor Heineke. But what about you? What's in it for you? I know. It's your time to win in the NFL playoffs. You've waited and watched all year. Maybe your team had a good season. Maybe your team had a bad season. How about you have a winning season in January? My bookie, the industry's leading online sports book and casino, and it's not hard to understand why. Thousands of lines to bet on your favorite sports. NFL, NBA, college basketball, check, check, check. MMA, soccer, check, check. They've got all the latest odds, period. Take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, basket, touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Just use promo code ZABE when you make your first deposit. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. The best part is they make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Whether you're at home or on the go, your laptop or on the phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid on the games you knew were going to end up the way they did. Bet, win, and get paid at MyBookie. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. Today on the ZabeCast, the winners write the history books, and Tom Brady is writing like James Mishner right now. A record seventh ring, and who's going to stop him next year? The Chiefs folded like a cheap tent, how and why, and what was left unsaid. All that plus the halftime was meh. The commercials were a mixed bag, but at least the game came off as scheduled. Your highly entertaining, absolutely free of charge, 30 bonus minutes of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's effing go! Here we go! You know what? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving! The show goes on! It sure does. Tom Brady, Super Bowl champion, yet again, an unbelievable seventh ring. More than any franchise in NFL history. One man has more rings than any franchise in the 55 years of this thing being a thing. Excuse me, did I say 55? I meant to say 54. Here's what was driving me crazy amongst many things during the game last night. Oh, by the way, welcome and thank you for downloading. It is 5 till 11 p.m. on a school night, and I am here for you. 
I'm out here for you to make sure this podcast is hot and fresh in your app inbox or whatever you want to call it uh, at 4 a.m. as you've come to expect. Now, look, this will not have, this uh, podcast will not be super polished. It will have some things that I forgot to mention. It is not going to be chock full of sound tonight, but tomorrow we can backfill a lot of that stuff. I wanted to wait until after the game was over. I thought about, well, I could load up, maybe do like half and half, load up half a podcast of stuff that happened before the game, and then I'll just do half. Ain't nobody want that, right? You don't want that. You'd rather have me riff for a solid 30 minutes and call it a night, right? Well, if you do, great. If you didn't, too bad. That's what you're going to get. All right, so where to begin? 31-9, and it was not even close. Here's the thing that bothered me. It was Super Bowl 54, but because of the logo, they stuck the trophy in the middle. It looked like an eye. And as my daughter was asking me, what is? why do they have live in the corner? And I go, well, that's because Roman numerals, Super Bowl this. Uh, that's what they use, letters. And uh, this is Super Bowl 54. Wait a minute. I thought it was Super Bowl 55. Which one is it? I think it's Super Bowl 55. Yes, it's LV. But the logo had the trophy in the middle, which made it look like LIV. But anyway, let's get to the damn game itself. 31 to 9, and it wasn't even that close. Right off the top, I'm totally Tom Brady neutral. I know my boy Josh hates him. And was calling this for two weeks now. And by the way, ding, ding, ding. He was right. He's like, Tom Brady's just going to win another one. I'm sick of it. Sucks. And I was like, I don't know, man. The Chiefs look unstoppable. Well, they looked unstoppable, but they had serious flaws. And the Buccaneers were the better team tonight across the board in every regard. But more on that in a second. So props to Tom Brady. I'm very Tom Brady neutral. What he's doing is insane. It's unbelievable. And like I said, what? why bet against him next year? Who in the NFC is really poised to be better next year in the NFC? This year was a feeling out year for Tampa. They were kind of slow getting it together. I mean, seriously, I would not bet against Brady next year, at least getting to his 11th Super Bowl. But I digress. Oh, maybe Matt Stafford in L.A. Ooh, right? Maybe if Deshaun Watson goes to an NFC contender. Ooh, right? Maybe. I just don't see it. Tampa and Brady, better team across the board, deserve to win this game, no question about it. The defense was unstoppable. The reconfigured offensive line for the Chiefs had no chance against that front four. They were constantly under siege. And they were going to win that game no matter what. Tampa was. When it was all said and done. Patrick Mahomes running for his life. And they did a good job of taking Tyreek Hill out of the equation when it came to deep balls. The mistakes they made in letting Tyreek Hill run wild in the first game were cleaned up. And Todd Bowles and the defensive scheme was right where it needed to be. Now it helps that you can get Massive pressure with mostly rushing only four, which is what they did. You can afford then to put extra resources on the back end to put a big lid on top on Tyreek Hill getting past you. 
That said, the O-line was terrible, and Tampa Bay was the better team. Full credit to them. Now let's talk about the officiating. Wow. Talk about a stinker of a game by Carl Chichichichefers and his crew. After an NFC Championship game that saw no pass interference calls, no holding calls, no penalties of any kind for the first two quarters and a half, and then only at the end to have a very subjective P.I. call get thrown, which was probably the right call, but it wasn't called two weeks ago, was bad enough. And it's going to leave a very bitter taste in the Packers' mouths because not only could they have won that game last week, and they probably should have, but the Chiefs were ripe for the plucking. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers operating against this defense of Kansas City and getting the same kind of calls that Brady and the Buccaneers did? Oh, well, that's the problem, Zabe. Brady gets those calls. Tom uh, or Aaron Rodgers would not. Well, I don't know about that. There's a lot of people saying the league wants Brady to win. It's the better story. It's the seventh ring. Yada, yada, yada. I just don't see it from the stance of what good does it do the NFL? Does it make them money? Remember, these are ruthless billionaires being, uh, you know, led by a stooge in an overstuffed suit in Roger Goodell, who, by the way, was wearing his mask dutifully with uh, his celebrity guests. That'd be Russell Wilson, your NFL man of the year, and Ciara. Or is it Ciara? Ciara? Hot. They were all in their own booth. They were all wearing masks. Good boys and girls. Tom Brady, no mask. Loved it. And some people are already getting triggered about it. Tom Brady's kids wearing masks, which they should not have been. In fact, a court in Italy has just ruled that schools are not allowed to force children under 12, I think, from wearing masks. Because the science, remember we're following the science, shows that kids not only are not susceptible to the virus, but also they don't transmit it either. But I digress. So I don't see what the NFL would have to gain as ruthless 32 billionaires led by the overstuffed shirt that is Roger Goodell from, you know, rigging the game or at least putting their finger on the scale to help Brady. So what was it then? I don't know exactly. I don't have an alternate theory, but the officiating was clearly out of whack. Now, the one PI that I agreed with was um, the Bashad Breland tripping PI. People are like, oh, that ball didn't look catchable. Yeah, it did look catchable because Mike Evans tripped. And he's going at full stride. He's six foot five with go-go gadget arms. Trust me, he would have had his hands on that ball at the very least. The other ones were complete crap. I mean, they were just good, plain defense. There was no jersey tugging. There was no uh, wraparound arming, if that's even a technique to talk about. It was just good physical play. And they called it. And they called it overwhelmingly against Tampa. Now, uh, or excuse me, against Kansas City. Now, was Tampa playing cleaner on the back end? I don't know. Part of it was they were getting to, you know, 
home so quickly, there wasn't a lot of plays where you can go, wait, that might have been P.I. And they had neutralized Tyreek Hill, so it was kind of hard to tell. But all but one of the P.I.s were total bullshit. The little push that was in a tit-for-tat that resulted in a penalty against them, also bullshit. Tyran Matthew, yeah, he shouldn't have gotten in the face of Brady and drawn the 15-yarder that didn't affect things at the end of the game, but then Brady ran after him for 10 yards and got in his face. That's not offsetting. That's not mutual. Okay, whatever. See, this is where you people are going to say, Zabe, I, I don't know why you're washing Brady's balls. They don't need to be washed. Everyone else in the media washes his balls. Why are you doing it? The guy gets too many fucking calls. Okay. I just don't see the benefit of it. But the calls were completely out of whack in the first half, and it definitely put Kansas City on its heels. They struggled after that defensively because they're feeling like we're going to keep getting these calls, and so they had to adjust their technique and adjust their aggressiveness again. It's a terrible look. It's the worst officiating the worst officiating look that I have seen in a Super Bowl in my lifetime. And it's going to be talked about for a long time because people just don't accept it as being fair. Sort of like, you know, when I tried to say, "Hey, look, I'm not saying the election was rigged, quote unquote. I'm not saying I have any definite evidence of any, quote, fraud, unquote. But I'm just telling you, it didn't sit right with half the country. That's what I said about the election. And I stand by that. This game is not going to sit right with fans, or at least a large amount of fans, who feel like the NFL's officiating is still not where it needs to be. Now, I have a reason why I think this is. First of all, do you think the NFL is maybe focusing on something other than just improving the quality of their ranks. And again, I'm not blaming Ms. Thomas for any of the calls that were made. In fact, I don't think she's a side judge, so she doesn't even call PI. I think she might have called the offsides on the field goal which we never got a good look at, but I don't know. It might have been on the other side of the field. I'm not even saying she's a bad ref. She's probably a fine ref, for all I know. I'm saying the NFL is really wrapped up in the whole, oh, she's making history. And earlier this year, they're like, oh, we got our first all-African-American crew refing a game. Isn't that that's great? That's history. And in a vacuum, yes, that's great. But why don't you focus on making your officiating more palatable, more consistent, so that the fans who buy this league and eat this league up and lap it up don't have a, God damn, do I have a bad taste in my mouth. Now, the simple answer is they don't have to. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? To the other professional tackle football league that's better? XFL too. They just folded. Ah, but they're coming back in a year. Maybe. We're a captive audience. We'll put up with it because we have to put up with it when there's nothing else to do. Now, look, they tried to make pass interference reviewable last year. How'd it go? Not good, Bob. And it was one and done, and rightfully so. And I was against it when they announced it, and I laughed my ass off when I saw how it was attempted to be adjudicated. I've heard people voice very loudly that P.I. should be essentially a 15-yard penalty, like it is in college. It lessens the sting 
it doesn't totally flip games. You end up with, you know, the PI call at the end of the first half in the end zone, which was just to me, receiver runs a jam route, bumps into the defender who doesn't really grab or anything. The ball is clearly not catchable. Flag goes down. All of a sudden, it's first and goal at the one. No, no, it's ridiculous. Would have at least been uh, first and goal at the nine, I think. I'd have to go back and look at the tape, which I don't have time to do tonight. Got to go to bed. But that said, there's got to be something done. I mean, there doesn't have to be. There won't be. They're they're not going to fix the officiating. It's going to be the same bullshit, which is problematic in terms of people's faith in the league. Now, I've got people that are timeline warriors. I'm not watching, never watching again. I'm done with it. I knew this was going to happen. Yada, yada, yada. I've yet to see any significant numbers that would indicate the NFL is in trouble in any way, shape, or form. Even if their ratings are down 10% or whatever they might have been during this pandemic year, guess what? The top 30 live television shows in America, or actually television shows, period, live, taped, or whatever, it's... NFL, 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 award show, NFL, 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 and then like at 29, the season finale of um, what will be a popular show these days on network television. I don't even watch network television. Uh, what's the one with the nerds? The, the, the nerd comedy show. Yeah, that one. It's all NFL. They're the kings. They don't have to change anything. To me, what has happened with the NFL and officiating is that as the effort to try to clean it up via replay has come into effect, there's more scrutiny on bad calls, and we bellyache about bad calls more than ever. And I try to be reasonable about reasonable about them. That's why I say, look, the calls were terrible, but it didn't affect, I think, the end net-net of the game. The Buccaneers were going to win that game going away when it was all said and done. The, the thing is, the NFL started to get very microscopic in how they adjudicated the game itself. And more rules on top of rules and replay and uh, stuff that's designed to try to crack down on safety issues and dirty hits. So it became such a focus of Sundays, much more than it was when we were kids. Games happened. They were on TV. Sometimes you got a completely fucking bullshit call and you had to live with it. And life went on because remember, these are just games. This is just for our entertainment and nothing else. So as they got deeper in the weeds on trying to make everything perfect, it created more and more fan angst over how come that's a penalty, how come that's not a penalty. And when it comes to pass interference, the way it used to be was you could see it easily even on an old 19-inch tube television at 480 wavy lines of analog resolution. You needed to tackle a guy. You needed to clothesline a guy. You needed to debacle a guy before the ball got there. It wasn't hard to call PI back in the day. Now, though, even the littlest of things can draw a penalty. So how many times are you, like everyone else in America, watching a game on TV Your team breaks up a third down and long, and you're all excited, but there's that pit in your stomach like, okay, is there a flag coming? You're watching the TV, and you're waiting for the announcers, and you're looking at the little stripe on the bottom of the screen. And you know what that does? It takes away from your enjoyment of the game. The joy of the moment is what it should be all about. 
Yes, incomplete, clearly didn't interfere. It's called football. Suck it. Get your punt team out. That's how it used to be. Not no more. And so they're caught into this cycle. So what the increased scrutiny on PI did was it made the passing game explode. Because at one point in the early 90s, the NFL had a real run of very low-scoring games. I'm talking like 7-3 and 6-3 and 3 to nothing. once upon a time. And there was an SI cover that said, can the NFL be saved? And it was a story about the low scores in the NFL and everything else. And from that time, and there was a story that chronicled what some league executive said, our goal is to have the average score in the NFL be something around 24 to 21. And I'm not necessarily against managing your product. Like, look, nobody wants to see endless three, six, three games. But at the same time, what it did was it let the passing game explode because you literally couldn't touch these wide receivers. Plus, wide receivers got more explosive and really, really good. Catching gloves made a huge difference. That's why Odell Beckham Jr. couldn't make a one-handed catch because he has scuba gloves on. And if you ever wear a pair and catch a football, you're like, oh, wow, this is really easy. I like this. Wide receivers got better. The quarterbacks got better. At least some of them did. The calls got tighter. Passing game exploded. Scoring went up. Ratings went up. Money went up. That's good. But now we are stuck where we are, where people are going to have an existential crisis of confidence that the game is on the up and up because P.I. is so damn subjective. Also, what it's done is it's created an arms race to go get that it quarterback. And so those quarterbacks are so scarce and you talk yourself into believing this is the guy. And you start trading bunches of draft picks to move up to get him. And then once a guy shows a little bit of promise, you pour money into him to go, well, we can't let him leave. And so huge economic mistakes are made in guys like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff and others. And it just becomes a cycle. You can't win in the league anymore without a quarterback. It's that simple. And because of the passing game, uh, it's exploded, and so the good quarterbacks have gotten even better. That's why Tom Brady can still play and win at this level. He's better with his brain looking at defenses and throwing the ball up a Nat's ass that that's why he's still winning. And you got to get a supercomputer attached to a supernatural arm. And there's about five of those guys in the NFL, and that's it. Okay. What else to talk about with the game? So let's see. Um, Somebody tweeted at me and said, is this possibly the worst Super Bowl ever? Worst Super Bowl ever. Um, It's right up there. Uh, Nicholas at Pop Cult Roulette. Am I wrong in thinking, Zabe, this is one of the worst Super Bowls ever or in a while? Between the subpar commercials, the terrible halftime show, and we won't even discuss the game itself. Well, let's grade it across the board. It'll rank near the bottom because of A, limited fans, B, suspect refereeing, C, weak halftime show, D, bad commercials, E, it was a blowout. The field looked great, though, so I give it that. And, you know, it had a lot of sex appeal, a lot of sizzle in terms of the two-star players and the two teams. Should have been a better game. We hoped to be a better game. It wasn't. Hello, it's sports. Somebody said, no, nah, it was uh, 
It was the Rams Patriots Super Bowl. And I said, well, I can't judge that one because I ale theoried the game at halftime. <laughs> and that is a true story. Had a media credential, nobody was using, went to the game, sat way up into the seats with a bunch of media members who are not my friends, didn't drink, didn't party, watched the first half, it stunk. I'm like, that's it, I'm out of here. That halftime show was also a bit of a debacle as well. Let's talk about halftime for a second. I thought it was, I was about to tweet, meh, and that was going to be grading generously. And then as the show went on, it got better. And he finished with his banger. You know, the one, whatever that song is. My wife actually was like, oh, so that's the guy that does that song. And I'm like, yep, he's the guy. That's the song. You've heard it, right? And she goes, oh, yeah, I've heard that a million times. The weekend ain't really my bag. So as the halftime show goes, I had to approach it kind of hands off. I was like, I'm not going to really get too critical of it. Plus, they're dealing, they were dealing with COVID restrictions. They stashed him in one of the end zones. And they were limited. And they didn't have any so-called surprise guests. They didn't have uh, the fake fans down by the stage. The one benefit was it allowed for a much longer halftime show than usual because they didn't have to worry about setting up the stage and breaking it down afterwards. Other than that, though, I just, I love the Super Bowl halftime show. I appreciate it from a stagecraft standpoint and from a spectacle standpoint because there's so many different elements, creative elements, artistic elements that go into it. Starting with the artist itself, and you got to have a good artist to have a really good halftime show. Which, by the way, I believe the NFL is going to be heading into a very rough stretch of getting good high-profile halftime acts for a variety of reasons. One, there really aren't the stars that there once were. My man Scotty Shirey pointed out, yeah, two of the biggest, quote, musical stars these days are Megan the Stallion and Nicki Minaj. <laughs> you really going to trot them out and, to, and do WAP as a halftime show? And I'm like, it's a good point. They've run through a bunch of other acts as well. So there's that. There was a period where some of the halftime acts were like, I'm not playing the NFL. You're racist. You're awful. You don't let Colin Kaepernick play football. Boo. That's kind of died down. Maybe some will come back into the fold. John Bon Jovi is like one of the top acts who has never played halftime. And he said early on, he said, you know, I turned it down multiple times in part because I can't, you know, they don't let you, the artist, control. You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. SheFit. We're so over beach bodies and getting bikini ready. You should be empowered to wear anything you want, except a bad sports bra. You deserve better. You deserve a bra with fit and support like no other. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually performs. Fully adjustable to fit your body with 50% less bounce than the Nike Pro. 
It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Troll who's on your stage. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. It's a good point now that I think about it. You're an artist. You're a multi-mega million dollar, multi-platinum star whose fans will drive over Hill and Dale to come see you and pay lots of money and wait in line and cheer you like crazy. And then you go to the Super Bowl and we're like, oh no, we're going to put these dancers up here and here's our choreography and we, we got this other person here in charge of the fireworks and lights. Now apparently the weekend spent $7 million of his own money. And I put that in bunny quotes too because I don't know what his own money means. But that is amazing. The NFL has to be licking their chops at that. If they can get the artists or their record companies to pay for the show, oh, yes. That's what the league loves to hear at no cost to the league. But the spectacle of halftime shows are incredible when you think about it. I mean, you're talking about the artist himself, the music, the sound, the sound mixing, the choreography, the dancers, the extra stuff, the set design, the artist design, uh, the light show, the flyovers, the fireworks, um, the technical rigging. If you're going to have somebody on a, on a trapeze, remember when Lady Gaga fell through the roof to start? I mean, it's all like these are all completely separate sort of disciplines, part Broadway stage, part rock show, part television, part this, part that, and they all come together for a hell of a show. And if it's an artist you like, it's a great show. The weekend, weekend, eh. not kind of my thing, but it was okay. There was a streaker at the game, and Kevin Harlan called it for Westwood One as only Kevin Harlan can do. Of course, they did not show it because God forbid we reward these jackasses. Been down 20, 503 to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a bra. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. (laughs) Pull up your pants. Take off the bra and be a man. And the players with hands on hips at the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why is this taking place in a Super Bowl? That is uh, that is fantastic. Now, wait for Kevin Harlan to issue a clarification about be a man and say, well, I didn't mean to insult anyone who may be biologically a man but identifies as a woman and likes to wear a bra and runs on the field and has his pants down. In three, two, one. So there was that. There was also that story that got a teensy, tiny bit of airtime, literally less than a minute, with under four minutes to go in a blowout. Oh, what was that story? Yeah, that story about Andy Reid's son putting a five-year-old on the brink of death in intensive care after slamming into their car on an off-ramp in Kansas City while reportedly, possibly 
drunk. Now, look, we're going to wait for the toxicology report. My bet is it will not be pretty. Reed's son, Britt, admitted to having, quote, two or three beers to the police officer on the scene. Yes, the two cars that he clipped into had stalled on an off-ramp. The first one had run out of gas, apparently. They called somebody. uh, They called a family member to come in. The second car came in. I guess they didn't have their hazards on. I don't know if the lights were on. Who knows? But it really doesn't matter. You're You're the son of an NFL coach. And you rear-end two families while you were drinking. Two nights, three nights before the Super Bowl. And making it even worse is the fact that Andy Reid's sons have had a very tragic backstory. Of course, uh, we know that his first son, Garrett, I believe, uh, overdosed and died in the Eagles training facility, or at least their dorm rooms, I guess, at uh, Lehigh. In 2012, uh, the feds came in. They found all kinds of drugs in his room, including anabolic steroids. And I said at the time, stupidly on Twitter, because that just stirred up the savages and the hoopleheads in Philly. I'm like, man, I cannot believe the NFL is good with a coach, because that's what he was at the time, quality control coach, you know, being in the inner circle of an NFL team with not only all those illegal, you know, recreational drugs, but steroids as well. And then people, you monster, how dare you? Can't judge Andy Reid about being a parent. I mean, look, anyone's kids can fall into the grips of addiction. I know that. But Andy Reid didn't miss a beat, and he kept on coaching, and everyone likes Andy Reid, and they were like, oh, my God, poor guy. It's awfully tough. His other son, Britt, went to jail for eight-plus months, I believe, for brandishing a handgun at a motorist and driving drunk and a bunch of other shit, jail. He has been on the the uh, staff uh, in Kansas City now for eight years. And he was the outside linebackers coach. No resume at all. Didn't work his way up in high school, college. It's like, oh, hey, good thing your dad's the coach. And this goes on in the NFL all over the place. And in, in a vacuum, I'm fine with it. Otherwise, though, you better be squeaky clean. This is where the NFL, and I said this back in 2012, and all it got all it got me was shit from the Philly Savages. So I'll say it again, whatever. The NFL can't let this happen. Joe Blow, with a handgun violation, eight months in prison, DUIs, doesn't get a job in the NFL as a linebacker coach. So if Andy Reid says, man, you know, I, I got to bring my kid on staff. I need to be around him. I need to show him a positive, you know, way through life and give him something to do. I'm, I'm worried that he's going to overdose as well. The NFL's got to say, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do for you. They've got to be like Ace Rothstein in casino, staring dead-eyed at these coaches and go, listen, I'm sorry to hear that about your son. But he jeopardizes the whole operation. He jeopardizes the entire NFL. What if it had been worse? What if he killed a family of four drunk driving? And what if it was a family of four that was not, say, stranded on the side of the road where maybe it was dark and I don't know all the details. Let's say he just swerved across the double yellow and killed a family of four. What then for the NFL? It got less than a minute with under four to go. 
Andrew Marshawn tweeted he thought that that Jim Nance was doing a poor job and not bringing that up. I think Nance and Romo had a very bad game when it was all said and done. Romo, the honeymoon on Romo was over because he's saying things now that make sometimes zero sense. He is guessing a lot, and he's not as good as he used to be. And I also think now that he's gotten his big payday, he wants to make sure to not rock the boat. So when there's bad 50-50 PI calls, he as a quarterback should say, eh, I don't know, man. Of course, maybe as a quarterback, he would be lobbying for all the PI calls he could get. That said, he could bring more insight to go, you know what, normally that does not get called. I'm not sure where this crew is on this, but that's not a call I've seen throughout the playoffs. They did mention it briefly in the pregame show, and that was that. They didn't make a big deal of it. And I'm not saying they got to do an hour on it, but if the NFL cared as much about drunk driving amongst its own personnel, coaches, players, GMs, administrators, as they do about some other social issues, then they would make a much bigger deal of it. But apparently, the NFL, they've got other things to push. Commercials. There was some funny ones in there. I like the M&M's one because the way my humor works, when when the guy comes out of the confessional booth and says, here, have some M&M's. I'm really sorry you had to hear all that. That's brilliant. The woman who works with a Karen and says, I'm sorry for calling you Karen, and gives her a bag of M&M peanuts. And then she says, but that's my name. And she goes, okay, I'm, I'm really sorry. Gives another bag. Fantastic. The Cheetos one got a lot of people uh, liking that. As I said, I, you know, Cheetos is amazing in that, first of all, I think they suck. I'm not a fan which many of you would go, ha ha, how darest you blaspheme in the house of snackage. You call yourself a vice president of snacks? Hey, it's not my thing. Cheetos, Funyuns, cheese puffs, uh, pork rinds. There's a lot of stuff that falls in the category of, meh, you can have But that said, they've taken the one thing that is, you know, sort of like a food engineering mistake and they've turned it into their marketing hook and in a way i guess that's kind of brilliant a couple other funny commercials in there but way too much trinkly piano so i said i want a mix of super bowl ads to be 50 percent funny 25 percent epic or high tech in some way shape or form and then 25 percent serious but not preachy Okay, not preachy. And the preachiest of all the preachy ads was Bruce Springsteen and Jeep. Let me just speak for a lot of people in saying, get the out of here with all that noise. The suddenly reunified states of America. Okay, okay, sure, sure. This is what many people are desperately trying to get others to understand. Hello, read the room. Be intellectually honest about, oh, oh, now we're unified. Oh, that's unity. It was not a good look for Jeep, in my opinion. Plus, I think Bruce Springsteen has been a pretty hard advocate in one direction. I don't know if Bruce Springsteen's a moderate. 
I'd love to see his voting record over the years just to see. Is he really, huh, I'm going to go Republican this time. Eh, let me go Democrat this time. That one to me was the biggest eye roll of them all. Otherwise, the commercials were meh minus. In part because the Super Bowl was crippled. It didn't feel like the big, body, loud, unapologetic, hairy-chested, American celebration that it was meant to be. Couple more odds and ends. Let's get to them here. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had probably three of the most insanely great incompletions in this game. Flat-out drops. The one where he is just diving horizontal and somehow gets the ball on point to 31, whoever that was. He dropped it. It was tipped, but he dropped it. Unbelievable. Here's a tweet. Congrats to anyone who's curious what Mahomes would look like playing for the Bengals. Right. See, that's the thing you got to remember. When when teams are now this week, as the great quarterback reset is about to begin in the NFL, when teams are going to start shoveling first-round picks at the Houston Texans, hoping they get, you know, get them to bite, ask yourself, if he's that good, why'd they win four games this year? Well, they had a bad team around them. You can't say that. Oh, okay. Are you a good team right now? No, but we just need a quarterback. Oh, okay. Just like Matt Stafford. If he's so good, why'd they win five games? Well, you know, it's the Lions, man. Come on. A quarterback is only going to get you so far. Yes, you need a good one to be in the mix, but it's only going to get you so far. That was a good tweet. (laughs) Congrats to anyone curious as to what Mahomes would look like playing for the Bengals. Actually, um, uh, the kid from LSU, oh, I'm having brain lock. It's late. I got to go to bed. Uh, Why can't I remember his name right now? I sit here. I've been talking for 30 minutes straight. I got my headphones on. I'm going to take those off for a second. I got my eyeglasses on. Sometimes my eyeglasses will jam my memory. Um, now I got to Google it. This might be a, a a factor of the. This might I might be a product of the fact that we have to Google everything now. Bengals QB. Jesus, got Joe Burrow. There it is. I don't mean to joke because it's a serious issue, but early onset dementia. It's a hell of a thing. Okay, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow looked pretty good before he got debacled against my woofed skins. So yeah, there's that. Uh, Drake from State Farm. Funny. Okay, that was good. Somebody mocked up a Buccaneer Bruce, the old logo with the orange Buccaneer and Tom Brady's face with eye black underneath it. I think that is chef's kiss. Brilliant. It's fantastic. Doug Russell, who works with us at the t- at uh, 97.3 The Game, says, so you're telling me if I can purchase a Pepsi, scan it, my reward is more of that halftime show? <laughs> That's funny. Jason McIntyre of the Big Lead says, Brady goes to Tampa, asks for Gronk, no problem. Asks for Antonio Brown, no problem. Asks for Fournette, no problem. Between them, they had four touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers is like, Help me. I can't argue with that. There is way too much complacency of we got enough. We were the number one offense. What more do you want? Get more fucking help for Rodgers and weapons. Speaking of Rodgers, he got engaged. I wake up Sunday morning and I'm watching a repeat of the NFL Honor Show, which stunk over Zoom. It's a very watchable, enjoyable snack when it's in person. 
It's the Oscars for football. I like it. But Rogers is like, yeah, so much happened this year. Blah, 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 blah. I got engaged and I'm like, what? To who was that woman? Shailene Young, I believe. They've never been seen together. And now the word is, because I'm like, wait a minute, the timeline on this. He and Danica were a thing until early summer. Then word came out, no, they're no longer a thing. And then we find out just before the Super Bowl, he's dating this other woman. And you're like, oh, okay, cool, cool. And a week later, like, we're engaged. What? What if you had, like, a six-week courtship? I mean, that is some Duggar-level shit right there. Oh, I was looking for my phone. Anyway, apparently, according to the reports coming out now, and it's all salacious gossip, I can't confirm it, uh, it was Danica who introduced the two, and Danica being big into astrology told Rogers that they were not in the stars, that her and him weren't meant to be, but somehow connected Rogers to this other woman who is now going to be Mrs. Rogers. <laughs> oh, boy. He was apparently dating both at the same time, and then he ghosts Danica. Shailene broke up with him at Tahoe for her girlfriend at the time. He's been seeing psychics since Olivia Munn. That's the rumor on Rogers. Psychics. Listen, I'm happy for him. Mazel, mazel, good things. I hope you know what you're doing. It sounds crazy to me. I don't get it. As long as he keeps throwing missiles, that's all I want, and I want him to retire as a Packer and get him some fucking help. Would be nice. All right, is there anything else I need to talk about? There's way more. Oh, look at the time. 42 minutes. I've given you 42 minutes. 42. Um... What else of note in this game? Well, let me end on this. Thank God the game happened. Thank you, NFL, for making sure the 310 to Yuma made it to Yuma on fucking time. I pulled out my pocket watch in my double-breasted, vested, Old West suit as I stood on the platform and saw the plume of smoke in the distance. Looked at my watch, and I'm like, 307. She'll be here on time. This train was never going to be derailed. And the NFL did it. Oh, they moved the goalposts. You goddamn right they did. They changed protocols. They gave you the old flim flam. We're going to do this now. We're going to go to this. Zoom meeting this. Zoom meeting that. And they just stopped rearranging the games like crazy, which they did early on. And with good reason. Because... None of these athletes, none of these athletes in the NFL cohort were affected in the least by COVID. There was like maybe one or two serious cases. That's about it. And there was very little guy, very few guys that really had it that bad per se. No worse than just the flu or anything else that goes around. And who knows how many overamplified cycle thresholds they were using to get some of these positives. And they were contact tracing, but they got the train home on time. Now the mission is going to be a normal 2021 season with full stadiums. And if you think, well, come on, we've got vaccines coming out and that's seven months from now, don't kid yourself. We are in a door-to-door 
street-to-street urban warfare fight to get normal life, you know, normal, normal, real normal back at every level. And that's going to be on the NFL as well. But kudos to them. The game happened. I enjoyed watching it. It wasn't as close as I would have liked. The referees suck, but the Buccaneers deserve to win. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. I can't hate him because he's that good. And uh, commercials sucked. I appreciated the effort from the weekend and the uh, modified halftime show. So I give it a, a great minus or maybe a map plus somewhere in that range. And we'll do it all again next year. But we now launch into what is going to be a fascinating offseason season in the NFL with a lot of quarterback movement and a lot of fun. But seven months of no football. And that's going to suck. That's NFL football. Oh, there's one double-A football. Don't sell me on that. All right, that's it for me. God, I got to go to bed. It's late. Join me tomorrow morning on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee with Josh and Getter. Or join us on the iHeart app. It is free to download, search for my show, and listen, streaming on live. Streaming online? Streaming online. Streaming online. Either live or in podcast form later in the day. All right, I'm done. I'm going to bed. Thank you for listening. Have a great Monday, and we will see you tomorrow.
All right, the divisions have been decided. Champions are about to be crowned and legends born like Taylor Heineke. But what about you? What's in it for you? I know. It's your time to win in the NFL playoffs. You've waited and watched all year. Maybe your team had a good season. Maybe your team had a bad season. How about you have a winning season in January? My bookie, the industry's leading online sports book and casino, and it's not hard to understand why. Thousands of lines to bet on your favorite sports. NFL, NBA, college basketball, check, check, check. MMA, soccer, check, check. They've got all the latest odds, period. Take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, basket, touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Just use promo code ZABE when you make your first deposit. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. The best part is they make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Whether you're at home or on the go, your laptop or on the phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid on the games you knew were going to end up the way they did. Bet, win, and get paid at MyBookie. Everyone loves shopping online. Well, I'm going to tell you what I tell my golf buddies when they buy clubs. Stop searching for coupon codes. Download Capital One Shopping to your computer. Capital One Shopping instantly searches for available coupon codes and automatically applies them at checkout. Plus, it's free, and you don't even need a Capital One card to use it. That's like hitting a hole in one without even trying. Capital One Shopping. It's kind of genius. What's in your wallet? Savings and available coupons vary.